0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.
1: I think everybody in America should be celebrating, but you always have like mixed emotions because as bad as some things may be, you never know if the next thing coming along might be worse. Although I can't see it being much worse than Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is the longest serving Senate leader in history. A guy who kept his power, no matter what was going on in the Republican Party for 20 years, has decided that he's going to step down from that position in November. He's only 82, right? By today's standards, that's like uh, no big deal. The president's 81, uh, the candidate, the leading candidate to run against the president is going to be 80 when he's in his presidency. So, you know, Mitch McConnell probably could have hung in, but he didn't, and I'm just grateful. One of life's most unappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter, So I stand before you today to say that this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. Only he did it much slower. And look, this is not his original uh, Republican party, I can tell you that much. This is not the party of Ronald Reagan. This is not the party of the Bushes. This is the party of... The populist, Donald Trump, he said he's going to serve out his Senate term, which doesn't end until, I think, January of 2027, but from a different seat in the chamber. He said, you know, and it's funny because the reporters, the reporters who have hated this man his whole career, you know, the AP and the Reuters and the MSNBC, all these people who have literally hated Mitch McConnell all these years, now are, are uh, you know, they're They're all like nostalgic. And and his emotions are evident. Dozens of members of his staff lined up behind him on the back wall of the chamber, some of them wiping away tears as family and friends looked down from the gallery above. Senators from both parties, most of them taken by surprise by the announcement, trickled into the chamber and exchanged hugs and handshakes. I don't know, were the hugs and handshakes congratulatory? I'm not really sure. President Joe Biden, who has had a productive working relationship with McConnell, said he was sorry to hear the news. Really? I've trusted him, and we have a great relationship, Biden said. But he has never, never, never misrepresented anything. This is what Joe Biden said about Mitch McConnell. So in other words, when you're getting praise from the opposition party, I would not uh, I would not consider that a compliment, really. So they're saying it's not related to his health. We know he had a concussion from the fall that he had last year. We know he had those two very public episodes where his face froze while he was speaking. He said, and as I had been thinking about when I would deliver some news to the Senate, I always imagined the moment when I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work, a moment where I am certain I have helped preserve the ideals I so strongly believe it arrived today. You gotta wonder, though, what motivated this today? I mean, a lot of it has to do with, and I know that people are gonna talk about yesterday's primary in all different kinds of ways, or actually, they're all pretty much saying the same thing. But Mitch McConnell was watching the last seven primaries and caucuses like everybody else in America. And last night solidified the fact that the presidential um, candidate, the nominee, is going to be Donald Trump. And Mitch McConnell, he don't like Donald Trump and Donald Trump don't like Mitch McConnell. So if you're going to finish your career anyway, if it's the tail end of your career why would you why would you bother staying at a time where the best case scenario is you have to work with people you can't stand closely like Donald Trump and the other members of the Senate who support Donald Trump or your other alternative is to be in the minority with a Joe Biden presidency and a wing of your own party in both the House and the Senate that literally can't stand you, makes fun of you. A media, the conservative media, is no big McConnell cheering section. Most of uh, the, those of us in the conservative wing of any kind of media, we've been hoping that Mitch McConnell would leave a long time. But now it's, you know, he had to know the handwriting was on the wall after that primary. And by the way, I don't care what anybody says about the primary results last night. Well, she, uh, she did get 30% or 38%, whatever Nikki Haley got. Can we all agree now that we're just wasting a lot of time and energy in this primary process? Her candidacy failed. She gave it the college try, she had a lot of supporters, no question about it. She had some of the biggest money donors in her camp, you know, the Mr. Koch being the probably the biggest. But she could not get traction. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that she was so hostile to Donald Trump. You know, there's a way to, you know, believe different things and take a different position without challenging the integrity of the person that you feel strongly would make a less of a good leader than you would. I'm not going to say that she ever, well, yeah, she actually has said that she, she thinks he will be the ruination of America. So the, the American people don't like that. We don't like that kind of talk. You can say you think that that wing of the party is never going to have the support of enough of the country so you're fearful that it could result in a bad result at the polls? I mean, that that's a legitimate argument. I can make that argument, and I don't believe it, but it's a legitimate argument. She didn't make that argument. She went like, you know, I'm trying to think of the polite way to say this. I don't know a polite way to say it. All I know are like rather colorful terms that I think could probably get me thrown off the air. But she was just guns blazing, let's say that against Donald Trump knowing that so many Americans support him. And there's no denying it anymore. It doesn't matter that the media doesn't support him. It doesn't matter that the uh, majority of the rhinos, the, the Republicans who've been in power for so long that you can't tell the difference between them and the Democrats, they don't want you to be able to tell the difference. How's that? So... It, I don't know what was the illusion or what remains the delusion to stay in the race other than when she leaves this race, her career is over. Let's face it. She won't be able to sell pencils at the five and dime. Well, there's no such thing as a five and dime anymore. But her her career will be over. She'll be blamed if they don't win the president's seat back in in uh, november she'll be literally chastised for giving the democrats as many sound bites as she gave them so her career's over so she might as well stay around as long as she can and then hopefully she can get uh, on the speakers bureau circuit and make some money making speeches or i don't know become a pundit on msnbc Odds are that's exactly where she's going. CNN, NSNBC, one of those crazy stations. And they'll say, oh, we have a, we have a conser- true conservative Republican. And she'll get on every night and she'll, uh, she'll pillory Donald Trump and, and his supporters. You can always find somebody to do that. The Anna Nabarros of the world, the Farrah Griffins of the world, they're all out there. It bothers me that so many of them are female, but that's a whole nother show. So his critics, loud and clear, their numbers really haven't changed. I mean, the same people who didn't like Mitch McConnell, when I stopped liking Mitch McConnell 15 years ago, we still don't like him. But there are more or less the same people who don't like him, and more or less the same people who tolerated him all these years. You know, telling me that he's a tactical, skillful leader, that he's strategic, and he has the ability to understand the needs of his fellow Republican senators, unless they like Donald Trump, and then he has no, uh, no time to talk to them or listen to them. He didn't give any specific reason for the timing of this decision. He said he has, you know, been thinking about it for months, and then he brought up something uh, about the death of his wife's sister, I think it was his her younger sister. He said at that moment uh, I started to think about my, my life you know that you always get introspective when people close to you, particularly people close to you who are younger than you start passing. But you have to laugh when he's talking about this incredible career of his. you know the the campaign that he ran in 1984, Ronald Reagan came to Kentucky and called him Mitch O'Donnell. He never really stood out. He, he was definitely the kind of Republican that Ronald Reagan's supporters were. But he is not the kind of Republican that Donald Trump supporters have any patience with at all. So when he says, I am unconflicted about the good within our country and the irreplaceable role we play as the leaders of the free world, leaders of what? We don't lead anymore. We don't lead the free world. As a matter of fact, you haven't been able to secure enough votes to pass anything in a decade, almost a decade, maybe more. So I would say your stellar career that you're talking about in the last couple of days wasn't that stellar. And the party politics that you think did you in didn't do you in. Your your faults, your, what's the right word? Because I don't think he's an evil man. I just think he's pathetic and there's a difference. He he probably is uh, understands politics better than most. He certainly spent enough time up there. But that doesn't believe that, that doesn't mean that I believe he understands the American people because he doesn't. And after he made his speech, you know, got the usual people stepping forward. Susan Collins from Maine. we don't know from one day to the next is she a conservative? Is she not? Is she maybe? Said she admired him for stepping forward when it wasn't popular to do the right thing for our country and our world. I don't know what that means. But uh, I guess the whole electoral college fiasco, they feel that Mitch McConnell stood up to Donald Trump. Well, maybe that's what he did, but he also showed no guts, no spine, and he could have done more, and he certainly should not have voted to convict Donald Trump during his second impeachment trial in doing that, or did he? I think he said that he he um he he couldn't do it because Donald Trump wasn't in office anymore, so the rules didn't apply, but that's not enough, and he he needed to be he needed to endorse the president, and he never did. so he's gone by. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Won't miss ya. Anyway, don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app, and you can participate in all these cool contests that we have, as well as get breaking news and all that stuff that you can get on our app. But if you don't want to do that, some people are reluctant to add any more apps to their phones or laptops, then just visit our website, 850wftl.com, at least, uh, once or twice a week so you can be part of the 850 family. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hi everybody, this is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Album, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson. Rain Wilson, Amor Tulls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts.
1: Mitch McConnell leaving, but I, I really like to think about it in terms of the upcoming election because it would be really nice if, not if... When Donald Trump gets reelected, he has a supportive Republican Party behind him. Think about what he could get done. And Mitch McConnell, yeah, you know, I'm looking at headlines today that say he was the last bulwark against MAGA. What does that even mean? They still want to pretend that MAGA is a bad thing, even though for a lot of Americans. It gave them a voice for the very first time. The forgotten men and women, like that—that—that that, that doesn't resonate with the Republican Party, really confuses me, because they're trying to become the party of the people, right? Which was always the Democrats. They were always the party of the middle class and the party of the working man, and the, you know, the the party of this and the party. Of, and now that the Republicans have reached out to those forgotten men and women in the form of Donald Trump, they're not happy about it. I'm really not sure what they want. I don't know what either one of these parties sees as its identity going forward. You can keep catering in these identity politics veins or streams like they've been doing and you end up with what you saw in Michigan for the Democrats last night. I mean, a whole bunch of people, not enough to actually beat Joe Biden. He still got 75 or 80% of the vote. But there were a whole lot of people, including like Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, not that I care what she does, but they voted uncommitted in the Democratic primary. If you extrapolate How many Americans of Muslim heritage might decide to continue with this protest into the presidential election? That doesn't mean they'll vote for Donald Trump, but what it does mean is they won't vote for Joe Biden. And if he loses that block, and last night, and actually the last five primary caucus things have established that younger voters aren't coming out for Joe Biden college kids aren't coming out for Joe Biden. Now, they can turn that around. They got plenty of time. You know, you just uh, drag uh, Barack Obama out there and you can stimulate some interest from the college kids, but not if they've already been sold on Donald Trump. So the Trump campaign has been cleverly waiting to see where the fallout is. If it's with Arab Americans, okay, they're not going to go in there and try and, convince Arab Americans that Donald Trump is going to be their greatest friend ever. That's not what they're going to do, but they're going to encourage them to continue with their protests. Let the Democrats party hear what you have to say. You should matter to the Democrat party. It's working with the African-American community. It's working with kids on college campuses. People are saying, hey, wait a minute. We don't have to vote for the ticket if we don't want to. And if they don't, if you keep losing these large identity politic groups, young people, uh, Muslim Americans, African Americans, people who are, I don't know, gender fluid, I don't know, there's just a whole many, so many categories, and many of them have turned away from the Republican Party, I mean, from the Democrat Party, and they've done it for reasons that I can't even wrap my mind around, like, they're unhappy that we support Israel? We'll go. Who needs you anyway? Apparently the Democrats need them. But they don't have them anymore. There's not, it's not a lock down deal. So it's going to be a very, everyone's been saying it's going to be a close election, it's going to be an interesting election, blah, blah, blah. It is all those things. But I think we are pretty sure right now that if things continue the way they're going, For the next six months, Donald Trump will be the 47th president of the United States following his 45th presidency. And I don't know what happens to Joe Biden. I really don't. A lot of people are going to have to break through some of their own prejudices if they want the Democrats to win. They're going to have to reach out to communities that they really don't have any love for, but they've been used to taking for granted. How many times is the African-American community going to watch all these politicians come into their neighborhoods and tell them that if you vote for Donald Trump, he'll have you back in chains, and then realize that when Donald Trump was the president, you were not back in chains, and then when Joe Biden became president, things did not get better for you, not at all. Eventually, you say to yourself, "Well, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore." Insanity—the definition of insanity—is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And if African Americans, and gay people, and and Hispanic Americans continue to vote for Democrats because they always have before, the same—they're going to get the same results. <laughs> now, it, as if this couldn't get any crazier. When she saw the uncommitted campaign in Michigan, Marion Williamson came back into the race. I guess, you know, the guru told her to do it or she meditated her way back into the race. But you can't make this stuff up. The rest of the world has got to be looking over here across the pond and thinking, what on earth? So she beat Dean Phillips in Michigan She wasn't running, but I guess because before she dropped out, there might have been early voting. I really don't know how these people got votes, but they did. So she edged out Dean Phillips for third in the primary. Can you believe that? So it was... That's, I'm just really, I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. It was, she beat out everybody. She beat out uh, Robert F.K., although I guess he's not running as a Democrat, but she feels like there's a moment here that Biden only got 81% of the vote. Uncommitted got 13%. And that's, of course, a protest vote. So she said today, as of today, I am unsuspending my campaign for the presidency of the United States. I didn't even know there was such a word, unsuspending. It's cool. We have to respond to Donald Trump's dark vision of possibility. We need to have a peace academy as well as a military academy, she said. We need to have a ceasefire now. Okay, that's not going to be a very popular position to take, except that you will get the uh, maybe the Arab-American vote, but that's about it. So we'll see. Some people are telling her she's delusional and she her response is, I'll tell you what's delusional is just hoping that somehow Biden and Harris will be able to beat that juggernaut of dark, dark vision. Dun 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 dun. he's the Darth Vader of twenty twenty four. I just I find it all incredibly fascinating to watch. I mean, we knew that Biden and Trump were going to win their primaries, but I don't think anybody expected Arab American and young voters who are very integral to Joe Biden winning in 2020, they were part of his winning coalition in 2020, they turned out by the tens of thousands to vote not for Biden, but for uncommitted in the Democratic primary. They better learn their lessons. I don't know what that means because I certainly don't think you're going to find a majority of Americans who don't want to support Israel, but maybe I'm wrong. All right, let me take a quick break. got lots more to talk about. You stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Now, I make fun of all the headlines, but um, now this headline captured my eye and it made me feel pretty good. It said that um, the in the world's 10 most populous countries, Eight of them have leaders in their seventies and eighties, and then it said that seventy is the new fifty. I like that. Yeah, that obviously, I would like that. Xi Jinping is sixty-nine years old. Uh, Putin has been, you know, in power for. 25 years so he's in his 70s right we have India's Narendra Modi is 73 and everybody says it absolutely will get a third term at 73 Sheik Hasina is 76 he's the prime minister of Bangladesh he just won a fifth term And let's see, of course, he shut down all of his opposition, threw them all in jail. That's kind of like the Putin theory, too. You just get rid of your opposition, you could stay there till you're uh, 90. Uh, Let's see, Indonesia catapulted a 72-year-old member of the political elite to the top job. He's set to succeed President Joko Widodo, the former furniture maker and small city mayor, who won his election in 2014 when he was 53. So apparently, across the whole world, uh, nobody wants younger leaders. In America, we have to ask ourselves, how old is too old? We have two guys running who are seventy, late 70s, early 80s, Mitch McConnell finally stepped down from a leadership position at, uh, you know, 82. I think Nancy Pelosi is 140. I don't know. She's very old. And I haven't heard anything about her stepping out of the political arena at all. Has anybody? No, because she's not going to do it. She'll be like, uh, what was her name? Diane Feinstein. Just, the, if they'll, they'll wheel her in and, and they'll take her hand and push the button when they have to vote. It's, it's, it's really kind of sad that there's no afterlife for politicians. One would hope that after you serve your country for decades, these people have been, except for Donald Trump, they've all been serving for decades. Joe Biden's been in Congress, the Senate, and, and the White House for four decades. There's nothing he'd rather do for the rest of his life, I find that extremely sad. I'm one of these people who wish I could just go. You know, I can think of a hundred things I could do every week if I didn't work, including things that might look like work to other people but to me would be incredibly rewarding, volunteer work, reading, writing the book, all that stuff. Really, there is nothing Mitch McConnell can think of that would have been better than spending his 70s and 80s flying back and forth from Kentucky to Washington, D.C. to basically be pilloried by the media and be insulted by members of his own party and hated by members of the opposition party. Really? That's the best they could do in their 70s? At least we could say, for Donald Trump, this is a late-in-life new career. And he's also got incredibly thick skin and apparently could care less what the majority of the mainstream, whether it's the media or the political class, what they think of him. Doesn't care. Doesn't care. And, and many people say he doesn't really care what we think about him. But I don't believe that's true. I'm just saying. And I found out uh, this morning, my friend Lou Dobbs is coming to speak at uh, Club 47 in March. And uh, of course, I would uh, intend to be there. Lou and I have tons of history. But I know that for someone like Lou Dobbs and someone like me, we allowed our careers to wind down. We, we may have always had presence, but we didn't work as hard as the 40 and 50-year-old guys did. Like, this is Jesse Waters' time, not, you know, not really Sean Hannity's time, although Sean's younger than me, but I I just, I don't understand how you could make all that money and have all that fame and not be able to think of something you would rather do. Really? I mean... I'm not that selfless. And I don't know that Mitch McConnell was that selfless. Because it was wearing him down. When he did that freezing up thing during the news conference last year, that was some scary stuff. If I saw a tape of myself looking like that, with what was his name, the guy that was standing next to him, uh, one of the... It wasn't Langford. it was Thune, Jim Thune, standing next to him and like basically holding on to his arm because nobody knew, was he going down, what's going on? He was just like blankly staring out into space, frozen. I see a videotape of myself like that. I get the doctor to write me a note and I'm going home. That's all. Does he really believe nobody from the state of Kentucky could represent the people except him? I think we should have a a constitutional amendment that if you're gonna run for office at a certain time after a certain age, whatever that age is, 80? I mean, if 70 is the new 50, maybe we'll have to make it 80. But if you're gonna run for office after you're 80 years old, you should have to pass some serious tests, physical and mental competency tests, Because otherwise, there's always going to be a question. Not that I don't see some of these younger members of government that look dazed and confused to me. I'm not sure if they're just maybe, you know, California sober and smoking too much pot. I don't know. But some of them, uh, they just don't look all there. But when you're 82 years old and you're staring blankly into space... I think that should be a sign <laughs> that maybe it's, it's time to go home, sit on your porch, you know, dictate a book to some ghostwriter. And, I don't know, enjoy your life. But apparently they just can't let go. Cannot let go of the power, cannot let go of the privilege. And that's so sad to me. So we'll see. We have a lot more to talk about. Um, Elon Musk, as usual, has been very busy behind the scenes. And a lot of the things that he is busy doing are fascinating to me because I don't think anybody can say he's not one of the smartest people in my lifetime. We don't have an Albert Einstein, but I think you'd have to say that Musk is a contender for a smartest guy. You know, Newt Gingrich used to be one of the smartest guys in the room, but again, Newt Gingrich, you know, he's, he's still very smart, but he's old. Sorry. And now we're getting these, like, doomsday warnings from Musk, which play right into talk radio's hands, that's for sure, and a lot of the media's hands. I mean, theres it's easier for us to talk about the end of the world than it is for us to talk about hope for the future when most people don't think there's much. So when he issues some of these warnings, people take it take it seriously. I mean, what did he say yesterday? That the whole of civilization is at stake. Okay, the whole of civilization, that's pretty, it's pretty all-inclusive, right? He said, the end times are approaching Our whole civilization is at stake and the only thing that could save it are people like him. Tech, technology, and entrepreneurs like him are the only solution. And that's pretty amazing. It was a pretty chilling social media post. I don't know if you guys saw it. But he was on X, formerly known as Twitter. And usually he talks about how Um, the population decline, people not having babies is the biggest threat to this society. But now, he's blaming something else altogether. He's saying, you have to have people with different ideas, different companies doing different things. You can't have all these companies sharing the same ideology, the same agenda, the same people working for them, staffing and plan, because you're all going to get all the same outcomes. And I, I would have to agree with that. The stakes are high. How do we get out of this mess? Well, would you follow Elon Musk? That's my question. Don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Pags and Lars Larson. And then um, we are going to wait until the morning when Jen and Bill come back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed at 9 by Brian Kilmeade. And at noon, By Dan Bongino, of course, with me back at three. But I have one more segment left today. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So, it's not just much, who is sort of sending out all these doomsday messages anymore. And I was looking at an article. I think it was in the Daily Star, one of those sort of fringe and yet not so fringe anymore, papers about all these billionaires who are doomsday preppers. You know, it's one thing when I hear Dan Bongino talk about having ways of having potable water and keeping enough food, MREs, and having ammunition and things like that. I mean, my husband is in that school. Um, And and you can call them preppers or whatever you want to call them, but they're just prepared in case. It could be, anything so the grid could go down. Not everybody is thinking that it's going to be a biblical doomsday. So Mark Zuckerberg has drawn up plans for a bunker, a nuclear bunker or a nuclear resistant bunker in Hawaii. And he's hoarding supplies, you know, spending a ton of money to purchase the property and then build the the bunker. You have the open AI founder, the guy who created the chat GPT. He says the world is going to end because AI, artificial intelligence, is going to attack humans, or there'll be a nuclear war, or there'll be a lethal synthetic virus that'll take everybody out. And so to keep himself safe, he has the usual pepper fare. You know, he's got antibiotics, water, He's got uh, guns, gold, potassium iodide, antibiotics, batteries, water, gas masks from the IDF, and a big patch of land in Big Sur I can fly to. (laughs) He also said that he and PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel have an arrangement to flee on one of Thiel's luxury properties in New Zealand in the event the end of the world comes about we know that Thiel had a close relationship with Musk, so it's not surprising that Musk has declared he's created the finest defense against the end of the world. He's got the Tesla Cybertruck, which features armored glass to guard against those pesky missiles or killer robots. Tesla Cybertruck The finest in apocalypse defense technology, he captioned on a post. On the Tesla website, the vehicle is described as built for any planet. And then in an unknown location in Kansas, there is a 15-story underground bunker that's got everything you could need to survive an apocalypse or the robot takeover. It was built during the Cold War and it was designed to withstand the direct nuclear hit. And the complex weighs 50 tons and inside are 14 living units where a total of 75 people can live and store supplies to last them up to five years. Most of the units have already been sold and they start at a half a million dollars. So you gotta have some, some bucks to get one of these units. But don't worry, because it'll be nice when you're escaping the apocalypse. You're going to have swimming pools and gyms and a game room and your little safe space. And you'll be hanging out with Zuckerberg or whoever, you know, all These all these rich guys who's, who keep trying to tell us that everything's under control. Don't worry. You know, nothing is going to happen. No super virus, no bug. And then they prepare themselves for what the rest of us are going to be, you know, stuck in the middle of, and that, of course, doesn't even address biblical prophecy, which is something that I think about all the time. So they'll just leave the rest of us high and dry, you know. They'll they'll move into their their bunkers and their units and they're readying themselves for Armageddon. But you know, the problem is, what happens at the end of that five years? Are they going to come out, or will they even still be alive to come out, we just don't know. So that's that's my story, that's one of the stories that got me today, and there's more. So there'll be plenty more for tomorrow. That's the one thing I can count on, is that I will not have a shortage of subject matters. By the way, tomorrow I will talk about that third Capitol Police security camera that was turned away from the DNC during the police response to the pipe bomb. I know that Dan Bongino's been talking about it a lot, and he's got a lot of inside information, but I did a little research of my own and there is something really stinky in, in this story. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow at 3.
0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.